Well, over the last number of weeks, I've uh, been preaching through the Beatitudes uh, in the Gospel according to Matthew. Now, the Beatitudes, the beginning of that Sermon on the Mount of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, when at the beginning of his ministry, uh, he uh, gave those, those words uh, to uh, his disciples and to those who are with him. And the Beatitudes are these words of blessing that we have at the beginning of Matthew chapter 5. Now, we're pretty much halfway through those Beatitudes, and uh, some have, and I think rightly, uh, divided the Beatitudes into two sections. Uh, first of all, the, uh, the, the Beatitudes we've had up to now, the four Beatitudes, which are really focused much on our, on our relationship with God. And the second lot have a greater emphasis on our relationship and our love for one another and how we are to, to be living before one another. So I'd like to ask you to turn with me in your Bibles. Uh, we're going to read together from the Gospel according to Matthew, uh, chapter 5. And then in that connection of the Beatitude, Blessed are the Merciful, uh, we will also read from the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. First of all, we'll read together from Matthew 5, uh, verse 1 through to 12. This is the word of the Lord. Seeing the crowds, he, this is our Lord Jesus Christ, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So far the reading then from Matthew chapter 5. Uh, let's now turn to the Gospel according to Luke, and we're going to read together from Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 37. Luke 10, beginning at verse 25. This is the parable of the Good Samaritan, well-known Bible story. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, The teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You've answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, 
pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. So far, the reading from God's holy word, may we indeed be blessed and strengthened by the reading of it. And I'd like to focus your attention particularly then on Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, there are two things that are good to remember whenever a lawyer asks you a question. In the first place, a lawyer will never ask a question in court that he does not know the answer to. And secondly, there will always be a reason for the question that he asks. Now, the lawyer who came to our Lord Jesus Christ in Luke chapter 10 is not the same as a practicing lawyer today. He was not an expert in secular law, but he was an expert in the law of God. He knew the Old Testament very well, along with multiple laws and the regulations that had been heaped up by the Jewish leaders over the years, and it was his job to interpret the law for every part of everyday life. And it was in order to trap Jesus into saying something wrong that he came to him and he asked him this question, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And then Jesus answers and says, well, what's written in the law? How do you read it? And the, law responds, uh, the lawyer responds with those words uh, we know very well. Uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus answers and he responds to the lawyer and he says, well, you've answered correctly. Do this and you'll live. But the lawyer is not satisfied in an effort to justify himself. And he decides to test Jesus, and that's why he asks this question. He says, but who is my neighbor? And so up until this time, the lawyer feels that he's the one in control of this conversation. He's the one asking questions, and he's the one who really is trying to get Jesus to say something that he says, this is going to trap you. But now Jesus gives him an answer that he does not expect. Because in his reply, when Jesus gives this parable of the Good Samaritan, he's not only teaching who it is that is your neighbor, but he also teaches what it means to be a neighbor. And to be a neighbor, Luke chapter 10 verse 33 says, is to have compassion. To show mercy. And when Jesus gives this answer to the lawyer, the lawyer gets more than he's bargained for. With this answer, the lawyer then not only is being told that he's wrong in his personal attempts at trying to, to, to restrict the type and the number of neighbors that he's commanded to love, but he's also instructed in how he is to love them. As the Lord Jesus Christ said elsewhere, 
Uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 35, 36, for example. It's, there's a number of different Bible verses which are very similar to this one. But in Luke 6, verse 35 and 36, Jesus says, But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. And as our Lord Jesus Christ says in the Bible text for this morning's sermon, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And so then turning to this uh, beatitude in Matthew chapter 5, along with this parable of the Good Samaritan, I preach God's word to you this morning. This is my message. Show the mercy that God has shown to you. Show the mercy that God has shown to you. I've got three points. First, mercy defined. Secondly, mercy practiced. And my third point is mercy rewarded. First of all, the mercy defined. The definition of mercy. Indeed, what, is, what exactly is mercy? And what does it mean to be merciful? Well, this is why we read from the parable of the Good Samaritan, because this gives an answer to the question of what mercy is. And the parable of the Good Samaritan teaches us that to be merciful is to have and to show compassion. Luke 10, verse 33 but a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, came to this man who's, who's, who's uh, been beset upon by robbers and is left half dead on the side of the road. And his Samaritan, as he journeyed, he came upon him, and it says here, when he saw him, he had compassion. Now, that's really important to see, that Jesus actually describes what was going on within and inside that Samaritan. For him to do what he did. He had compassion. And then at the end of this parable, when the Lord Jesus asked the lawyer, uh, and he says, uh, who exactly proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? The lawyer says, the one who showed mercy. And indeed, there is a great similarity between these two, two different words. There's a number of words in the Old and New Testament which deals with the word mercy. And mercy and compassion can well and truly be seen as the same type of thing. To show mercy is to have compassion. And even more, to show this mercy is to actually have a compassion that turns into action. In other words, the Samaritan, he didn't just shake his head and, and in sorrow as he saw this poor man lying half dead on the side of the road and then move on, but he did something about it. He acted out in love. He helped the man who'd been bashed by robbers, even though it cost him time and money to do so. And so when the Lord Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, and he's saying to us also, you go and do likewise. You be like that one, like that Samaritan, and be merciful and show that mercy to others, not just in thoughts, not just in words, but also in deeds. And so if we were to define mercy, we could speak about mercy as being compassion. Another way to speak of mercy indeed would be to say that mercy is love 
in action. To be merciful is to see someone in their pain and in their distress and to respond to them in a manner that is going to ease their pain and is going to relieve their distress. To be merciful is to grant relief. To be merciful is to cure, to heal, to help. To be merciful is to freely give something even though you are not required, demanded to give it. And to be merciful is indeed to delight in doing this. And the reason why we are to be merciful, the Lord Jesus explained, is because God is merciful. And God was merciful well before he commanded us to be merciful to others. And indeed, the Bible teaches us that our God is a God of mercy, of compassion, unfailing love. And he revealed himself in this way in the Old Testament already. And so it's important then, as we think about and consider when Christ commands us to be merciful, that we are also then to recognize that this is not something which is expected of us, that is not from God, but this is indeed the way that we live as children of God, of those who are to reflect Him, to walk in His ways, and to do then as He also has done for us. And indeed, as you go through the Old Testament, you see again and again that God is described as the God of mercy. Or the God of steadfast love as well. Uh, one example of this would be uh, Exodus chapter 34. And when the Lord himself, he, gives his, uh, he speaks to Moses. And he describes himself in this way. He says, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands and forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And so when the Lord reveals himself to Moses, he reveals himself as a merciful God who looks then upon sinners in their misery and who reaches down and he forgives them. And indeed, this is a mercy of God which isn't just short-lived, but this is a deep and an ongoing mercy that he shows. And so at the book of Lamentations, when we have that, that terrible outpouring of grief of Jeremiah, of what happened to God's people when they went into exile on account of their sin. We had those beautiful verses right in the middle of Lamentations. Lamentations 3, verse 22 and 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, and His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, yes, great is His faithfulness. And the Psalms. Uh, Psalm 116. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. And so when you go through the Old Testament, you learn about who God is and what He is like. One of the really great themes in the Bible to describe God is that God is a God of mercy. And He is particularly then merciful to us, His people, His children. And the greatest example of God's mercy has to be the sending of his own son, Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 17 says, I'll just quote that now, Therefore he had to be made, Jesus had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and a faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of his people. He is a merciful high priest. That word merciful there actually in, in Hebrews 10, 2 is the identical word as we have here also in, in, in Matthew chapter 5. He's the one who sacrificed himself. 
so that he might take our sin away and he might also take away the miserable consequences of sin in our lives. And because Jesus did that, when we come to God pleading for God's mercy and we cry out to him, Lord, have mercy, we can be sure that God will indeed show that mercy to us. In him, we will receive mercy. In him, we will find grace to help in time of need. That's, that's also from Hebrews, Hebrews 4 verse 16. And because of that, because of the mercy that God has shown to us in Jesus Christ, we will show mercy to others. And so that's mercy defined. Let's move on then to mercy practiced. Mercy practiced. So now we'll go and spend a bit more time then on that, that parable of the, the Good Samaritan. Because when the lawyer, he comes to Jesus, and he asks the question of who is my neighbor, his, his question was, to some extent, it was a genuine one. Uh, the lawyer didn't really know who his neighbor was. He wanted to know also what Jesus would have to say about this. The lawyer clearly also didn't even really understand what it meant to love his neighbor, although no doubt he had, as a lawyer, all his explanations and his understanding of what it meant to love his neighbor. But when it came to who his neighbor was, at the time when the Lord Jesus Christ walked on earth, it was assumed by most that the neighbor, that your neighbor was only a fellow Jew, only a fellow person of God. These were the only ones who he counted as neighbors. Anybody else was not your neighbor. And therefore, there was no obligation to help, to, to care for, to love, to show mercy to them. In fact, Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 from the, the Sermon on the Mount, so just a few verses on from our Blessed Are the Merciful text. Matthew 5, verse 43, it says, Some even said, You shall love your neighbor, but hate your enemy. And so indeed, if you ask many people in Israel, and who is your neighbor, they would say, my fellow Israelite. And it's limited to that. But the Pharisees, and many lawyers or so, they actually limited their understanding of who their neighbor is even more. They said, when God says, love your neighbor, that simply means love your fellow Pharisee. Because the common people, John chapter 7, verse 49, for example, explains the common people, they said, did not know the law, and therefore they were cursed. So unless you followed God's law exactly the way these Pharisees did, they said, you're outside of God's grace and his mercy, and therefore I don't need to show mercy to you either. And in fact, they considered a virtue to turn their faces away from those whom they felt were cursed, and they deliberately left them in their misery. But when Christ came, and when he ministered to the people, he was not like that. Our Lord Jesus Christ was clearly different. From the perspective of the lawyer in Luke chapter 10, the Lord Jesus, he had a rather loose definition of who was his neighbor. In fact, for Jesus, it didn't seem to matter who this person was. It didn't matter if you're a man or a woman, a child, tax collector, a sinner, healthy, sick, a Pharisee, zealot, whoever it was who came to him, he would stop and he would minister to them. Hey, he was even known to heal a Samaritan on occasion. And so when this lawyer came to Jesus and he asked him, and who is your neighbor? This lawyer would also then have been trying to trap Jesus and trying to get him to say something which was wrong or which he would then twist and try to convince the rest of the people around him that clearly Jesus is 
he's not following the law, he's not following the Old Testament, he's not following the Word of God, and his view on neighbor is all wrong. And at the same time, uh, Luke chapter 10 says, verse 29, the lawyer also asks this question, and who is my neighbor, in order to justify himself, to justify his own views on this, and also to justify himself so that... Uh, when the lawyer asked what he should do to inherit eternal life, that, that, that he might indeed have in his own mind the, the conviction that he could do these things, that he could somehow love God enough and love his neighbor enough so that God would be pleased with him and say, yes, you're good and you will inherit eternal life. And so it was in order to justify himself and to show himself to be worthy to inherit eternal life that he wanted a definition of who your neighbor is in order to, to limit this word neighbor to such an extent that he would be able to be seen as able to do this. And in this way, he'd have a clear answer to that first question of his, of what he needed to do in order to be saved. But the lawyer had it all wrong. He didn't understand. He missed the whole point of the law. You see, and this is important for us to understand also. This, we, we've got to get this. We have to get this also when we, we think through and we consider also uh, the, uh, the, the, the commandments of God and, and what it means to live uh, as a Christian and so forth. Any concept or any idea that we might have that obedience to the commandments of God, trying to love God your neighbor, seeking to obey certain rules and regulations or codes of conduct or ways of life and so forth, any way of thinking that this is a way to earn God's favor or for God to look at you and say, yes, you're worthy or you're a good Christian or something like this, you've missed the point of the law and the gospel. You will never be uh, able to earn God's favor. And God's law, and God has never given his law, he's never given his commandments to say, this is the way for you to claw your way up into heaven. In fact, and this is also why when we read the Ten Commandments every Sunday, we, we read those, those first words of those Ten Commandments or so, where God says to his people, I have redeemed you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, out of the house of slavery. Why, is God say, why does God say this first? And why do we keep hearing this? Because this is the context in which God gives these commandments. I've already redeemed you. I've already saved you. Now, this is how you live as one who's redeemed, as one who's saved. You see, this is what the law is not understanding. It's only because of the grace and the compassion of God, because of His mercy, because He saved us, that we will inherit eternal life. Yes, for us, it's only because of what Christ has done that we may indeed be forgiven and inherit eternal life. But then what's the point of the law? And this is also what Christ is teaching us in this parable of the Good Samaritan. The point of the law then is that having been received the mercy of God in Jesus Christ, having received His mercy, we are then called to live out of that mercy in our love for God and our love for our neighbor. You see, and this is what salvation is, and this is the fullness of salvation. Uh, being saved in Christ is not simply a matter of saying that you are simply forgiven and that's it. But being saved in Christ means we, we are forgiven and we are changed. Our old nature, our old ways, they are, they are gone in Christ. 
And therefore, Christ, through his Holy Spirit, he gives to us this new life. And it's out of that life that we are now to live. And this is what our Lord Jesus Christ is also teaching when he explains what it means then to be a neighbor and to love your neighbor. And so going on then to, to speak a bit more then from Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, verse 30. Our Lord Jesus Christ, he begins his parable and he says, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, this is the setting of this parable of the Good Samaritan. Uh, there's this road. Uh, this wouldn't have happened for real. This is, this is a, a parable. It's a story of our Lord Jesus Christ, a teacher point. But there is indeed a road which goes from Jerusalem down to Jericho. It's a long, steep, and a winding road. The distance is about 30 kilometers between Jericho and Jerusalem, but Jerusalem is about 1,000 meters above sea level. Jericho is way down close to the, sea, to the Dead Sea, 400 meters below sea level. So it's got a 1,400-meter drop from, from Jerusalem down to, to Jericho. Now, this road, it's, 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 it's steep, it's winding. It goes through a rugged, rocky mountain pass. And, and you could also imagine that this would have been a very dangerous road, certainly in those days. Dangerous not simply because of the physical terrain, but dangerous also because thieves and robbers could indeed be hiding behind these rocks, ready to pounce upon an unsuspecting, isolated traveler. And indeed, in this story, that's what happened. So it's a very realistic situation and story for, that Jesus was telling here. Man's traveling alone. Thieves attack him, strip him of his clothes, strip him of everything that's valuable, beat him up, and leave him to dead for dead on the side of the road. And then when this man, when he's lying there naked and half death, one thing for you to think about and to recognize then is that there is no way to know who this man is. I want you to think about that for a moment. There is no way to know who this man is to identify him since he's been stripped of his clothes, he's been beaten black and blue, and he's left for dead. This is important. You remember the question that the lawyer is asking? He's saying, who's my neighbor? Now we're presented with a man to whom the lawyer, he could not know whether or not he fell under his definition of who a neighbor was or not. In those days, you could normally know who a man was by his physical appearance, by the clothes he wore, by the language he spoke. But this man, he's stripped of his clothes. He's beaten. He's left half for dead. He probably couldn't even speak. And so we don't have a clue as to who he was. The only thing we know is where he was on this road from Jerusalem going down to Jericho. Could have been a merchant. Could have been a tax collector. He could have been a religious leader. All he is is an unidentified man lying aside the road in need of help. And so what does God, the God who commands us to love our neighbors yourself, what does he teach us to do in such a situation? Well, as he's lying there, Three different men come and see him. A priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan. A priest and a Levite come upon him. They see him. They pass the other side of the road, and they skirt around him as if they didn't see him, and they move on. Now, no doubt they had their reasons for it. No doubt they had their excuse and so forth, but that's what they do. They didn't show compassion. They did not have mercy. And then along comes a Samaritan, a hated and a despised person in Israel. But when he saw the man who'd been beaten almost to death, what was his response? 
This is that word that is so important in this parable of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not the word mercy just yet. That comes later on. But the word compassion. Verse 33. But a Samaritan as he journeyed came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. Compassion. This Samaritan, he's, he's far from home. He's in hostile territory. But of the three men who saw this man who'd been beaten almost to death, and the one who, arguably speaking, had no legal obligation to stop and help is this Samaritan. But not only did he stop, he also helped. And he didn't stop and help out of his duty of care. But he stopped and helped because out of a heart of compassion. Compassion. Uh, the Greek word for compassion is related to, to, to your intestines, those inner feelings of, of pity, of mercy. It's, it's, it's a love that comes from the heart. It's what, it's what motivates us to truly love our neighbor as ourselves in a way that is not legalistic, but in a way that comes from a new heart. But such compassion, such mercy, it does not come from a heart that is self-seeking, from a heart that is self-righteous, from a heart that is arrogant, from a heart that is proud. Mercy and compassion is not a mark of a person who is trying to earn his way into heaven. Mercy and compassion was not the character trait of the average priest, Pharisee, or lawyer in the time of Christ. But the word compassion, it does describe our Lord Jesus Christ himself. There's a number of Bible verses where this word is used. I'll just give a few. Matthew 9, verse 35 and 36. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Another Bible verse, Matthew 14, verse 14. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and he healed their sick. Matthew 20, verse 30. And behold, two blind men sitting by the road, when they heard Jesus was passing by, they cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. And verse 34, And so Jesus had compassion, and he touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. And so it was Jesus Christ who showed us what true mercy and what true compassion is, because he is the God of mercy. He is the God of compassion. But in and behind the compassion of the Son is the compassion and the mercy of the Father. You remember what we read about God already from the Old Testament, Exodus 34? The Lord, the Lord, a God who is merciful and gracious, who's slow to anger, who's abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Psalm 103, verse 8, the Lord is merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love. You see, this is who God is. And so Jesus, who himself is true God, 
is also then showing what this compassion and what this mercy really looks like. Actually, go into another one of the parables. Luke chapter 15, verse 20, the parable of the prodigal son, where it speaks about the son. He arose, came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion, and he ran and embraced him and he kissed him. And another text in the New Testament, Romans 5, verse 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so when you go to the scriptures, you'll see what, what mercy is and how it is practiced. By seeing how mercy is practiced by God himself in his son, Jesus Christ. That's the compassion. That's the love and that's the mercy that God has shown to us. And it's because of his mercy. His mercy for us that our names can be written in heaven and that we can inherit eternal life. And that's the reason why we are to be merciful. That's the reason why we are to show compassion to our neighbor, whoever that neighbor might be. It's because God has shown his mercy and has poured out his compassion on us in Jesus Christ that we will now be merciful and compassionate to one another. And then finally then, mercy rewarded. As with all the, excuse me, as with all the Beatitudes, there is a reward, there is a blessing for those who are merciful. And the blessing that is given to us here in Matthew chapter 5 is this. Blessed are the merciful, so verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. But what does that mean? And how are we to understand this? Now, when we read this, when we first read this, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. We may kind of feel that this is basically saying then that if you are merciful to others, then God's going to be merciful to you. If I forgive someone else, then God will forgive me. If I help you, God will help me. And then sometimes it's as if God's something like a bank. I put money in or something. I put a lot of mercy in in this case. I get mercy back. And then it all depends on me and my mercy. And if I'm willing to actually give this. But is that so? And is that what Jesus is meaning here? Well, if this is how we are supposed to read Matthew 5 or 7, where God's mercy depends on our mercy, there would not be a lot of hope for us. If it all depends on us and the mercy we offer to others, we would never be making it into heaven. Because none of us has the strength, the ability to be merciful to the extent that our Heavenly Father is merciful. But we've got to read this in its context. And we've got to understand it in its context. And when we read in this context, we see the Bible does not teach us that God's mercy depends on our mercy. And when we read the Beatitudes together, these words of blessing, that does become clear. Do you remember what we've learned so far over the last number of weeks? Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes, it teaches us, I am poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That means I'm poor in spirit. 
I am not righteous. Before God and His righteousness, I have nothing to offer. And then it says, blessed are those who mourn. And what are we particularly to be mourning for? We're particularly to be mourning for sin. I mourn because of the sin which is in me. Then blessed are the meek. Why am I meek? Well, I'm not proud, but I'm meek because I know just who I am and what I'm like. And then blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Why? It's because I long to be made right with God. This is what the first four baby attitudes teach us. And in that context, and when we read through this context, and you could never conclude that what Jesus is saying in this one then is the only way for you to receive mercy is of God is for you to be merciful first. That, that cannot be. And so we cannot understand Matthew 5 verse 7 as saying, be merciful to earn your way into heaven. That's not possible. But rather what it's saying is, be merciful and know that there is mercy available for you too. Be merciful, knowing that there is mercy available for you also. Because in Christ, there is complete forgiveness. In Christ, there is unlimited mercy. But then, and this is Christ's point, when you understand a bit of the depth of the mercy that's been shown to you, then your attitudes towards everything and everyone will have to change. The mercy we have received is the mercy we will want to share. Then we will not see a person in need and deliberately walk on the other side of the road with the excuse that he's not our neighbor, that it's not in our position to show him mercy. But instead, we will act out of the mercy which God has first shown to us. So then, to whom will you show mercy? To whom will you go and do likewise? Do not try to love your neighbor in a sense of duty, as a burden, as something you just unfortunately have to do amongst many other things in an overly busy schedule. Do not seek to show mercy in order to be seen as a good person, in order to be praised by others, and certainly not in order to be counted worthy of eternal life. But instead, remember the love of God. Remember the compassion of God. Remember the mercy which God has shown to you in Jesus Christ. Remember that when you were in much worse state than this man on the side of the Jericho Road, when you were dead in your trespasses and sins, enemies with God, that Christ showed his mercy to you. And his compassion was not displayed just with a few coins. And nor did he heal you with wine and oil. But it was with his stripes that you were healed. It was with his precious blood that you were redeemed. In him you are forgiven. In him you are changed. In him you have received in a heart which is filled with grace. With love. With compassion. With mercy. And in conclusion then, because we have received mercy, we 
will show mercy. Because we show mercy, we will then enjoy the mercy that's been given to us. Jesus says, be merciful and know that there is mercy available for you too. And then on that final day, that final day of the Lord, when the books are opened and we will have to give account for every careless word that we've uttered, then we too will find mercy from the Lord. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Show the mercy that's been shown to you, and you will live in that mercy forever. Amen.